Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan recap the Twins' four-game series against the Texas Rangers. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. The Twins managed to drop three of four to the Texas Rangers, a team, Dan, that Rocco Baldelli went out of his way to praise their pitching performances. And I don't know if you're aware of this, Dan. The Rangers starters rank 20th in ERA in the majors. And he's praising them for being so excellent? They're the best, Dan. I mean, they held this Twins team, my goodness, can you believe it, to six runs in four games. It is remarkable to lose three of four to a team like Texas that is seemingly reeling, right? They they have a new manager, a new front office staff. That's really at the core of why this is so disappointing. You're at home. We we talked just heading into these three series here. I think you said they needed to win, what, seven or so, seven or eight of these games? Yeah. And they went five and five over this stretch against the Angels, Royals, and Rangers. You got to be better than that. And if they were any better, they'd be leading the division. The other teams in the division are doing everything that they can to ensure that this race stays close, which is helpful. The White Sox keep losing. Cleveland seems to do whatever we do. But right now, the Twins sit two games back. The upcoming schedules are not kind to the Twins. Cleveland doesn't have a cakewalk by any stretch of the imagination. But the Twins schedule, Dan, this gets a little bit hairy. Because right now, we're going against the Astros, then the Giants, then the Red Sox, then the White Sox. So a little bit of a reprieve, but then the Yankees. But here's the most important part. And listeners, I want you to hear this. All that matters is these next games until the 9th of September. We need to play at least 500 baseball because starting on the 9th of September, through the course of 11 days, the Twins play the Guardians eight times. Eight times. Talk about a division swinging sort of series here, Dan. And it's going to feel a lot like, you know, when they played Cleveland, I think it was eight games in 10 days, you know, in June, July there too. So if you're a White Sox fan, a Guardians fan, or a Twins fan, I think you're all you're all kind of feeling the same. Like you're feeling frustrated that your team is just not seizing the opportunities. So I guess in, in that sense, we're not that different right now than those other fans. Well, here we go, David. Again, we are avoiding talking about the games themselves. So I think let's move into into the series recap series recap well then this series is just the definition of starting with a bang and then just rolling down the hill my goodness starts off with back-to-back home runs by Arise and Miranda. That's really all I really care to talk about in this 2-1 to Twins victory, Dan. Well, maybe this is who Rocco was actually talking about because Martin Perez is the best pitcher, I would argue, that the Texas Rangers have. He's 9-4 and four in the year, a sub-3 ERA, and he's the one the Twins were able to do just enough against here. Again, starting a trend, they were 0-5 with runners in scoring position in this game, uh, but they, they made those two home runs stand up. And I will say, David, as much as we don't like YouTube TV, I think I like Apple TV Plus worse because I couldn't even... <laughs> 
watch this game. It was the one win in the series, and I couldn't watch it. Here's the thing. I logged on. I had two different devices going, and each of them were giving me the Apple Wheel of Death, just waiting for this game to load. So I uninstall and reinstall real quick, just trying to get things working, and it finally connected. And then I realized, you know what? I might have been better off listening to this on the radio, because I'm I'm not going to listen to the sound. I couldn't deal with the announcers. It took forever to connect. So frustrating, Dan. It was frustrating, but again, at least the Twins won the baseball game, right? The bullpen was a little bit shaky at times, but again, they get through it almost unscathed. That scoreless inning streak for the Twins pitchers ended at 31. I think it was one inning short of the team record. Bundy does what he's supposed to do. He goes five plus. I felt good. I mean, I felt good enough at the end of this game because I thought they've just faced the Rangers' best starting pitcher. You got to think they're going to win three out of four of this series. No no doubt in my mind at that point, they were going to win the series. Certainly. It definitely felt that way, right? Like, even though it seemed like, yeah, there were definitely some missed opportunities, but anytime you see you get to the eighth inning and Duran's on the mound, that's a good thing. Yes, and then they get a, a pretty fun double play at the end of the game. You, you challenge it at that point because there's no reason not to, but basically there's there's runners on first and second. There's a liner hit to Kepler and right. Kepler makes the catch, chucks it into Correa, has, has quite a bit of heat on the throw, actually, and Correa then uh, gets the runner trying to get back to second after Kepler catches the ball. And to be honest, how hard that ball was hit, I can understand thinking it might be a hit, but like you're going to know real quick whether it's a hit or not. Like I think you should have been closer to second base at that point yeah the rangers had a couple odd base running snafus in this whole series and that again is what makes this so frustrating because the rangers didn't play great in the field the twins played much better in the field the rangers just got a few more key hits early in baseball games and the twins just really almost never got a big hit yeah well let's keep going to game two twins lose this one four to three in extra innings the rangers score two in the top of the tenth the twins can't match it and the thing that's frustrating about this game is that it sort of showed that game one wasn't necessarily a fluke against the rangers pitching for what whatever reason twins go one for 10 with runners in scoring position yeah unbelievable and, and really ironically the big hit the twins did get uh, wasn't technically with runner in scoring position Miranda gets a big hit to tie the games Kepler scores all the way from first David one of the great plays of the season Tommy Watkins at his best sending Kepler okay. so okay. so smart to send okay. him from so third there here's the deal folks this is ridiculous because Dan goes in I had put my notes in and Dan goes in and erases everything I wrote just to put how smart Tommy Watkins was for sending Kepler not a chance that is pure luck there was no thought out logic there was no advanced scouting that Dan likes to say that Watkins does before the game my goodness if the cutoff man feels the throw like any normal MLB player does Kepler's thrown out by 10 feet no but see that's the thing Tommy Watkins could see the throw left the outfielder's (laughs) hand and it was going to be low and he knew it and he sent Kepler but I will jump in because here's the thing I still think that there's a better chance the twin score you watch that you watch that replay and you tell me in that moment you would have sent Kepler I okay in the moment I would have no no nobody would I wouldn't have been making the decision in the moment I was making the decision the moment the ball landed in the outfield and the and the outfielder had to run a bit to his left to cut it off because I don't trust the twins to get another hit after that situation you are better off hoping the rangers mess it up than than waiting another batter that's that is my point oh my goodness I guess I just, between the call last series when Watkins sent a guy home because Brent Rooker couldn't figure out that he was supposed to throw home, and then this particular play where, honestly, by by accident, he made the right call sending Kepler. There's nothing you can do to convince me that that was the right call. It just, they got a very, very lucky bounce. Well, fair enough. So And this game goes to extra innings, right, because of that hit, essentially. Um, but then the Twins, you know, they, they give up a couple runs in the top of the 10th, and they just can't get them back uh, in the bottom of the ninth, despite 
their best opportunity, I suppose. Kind of felt like the Twins sort of knew once it got to extras that they weren't going to win this one. And that's not something you like to see in a team that's this close to winning the division, Dan. It does make me really not like the extra inning runner at second rule because I think what it does is it robs, I think it robs home teams of a lot of that home field advantage uh, in many ways. I know that there's other ways. I know that the Twins played smaller ball and tried to move a run, but the bottom line is you give up a couple runs in the top of the inning, you can't play small ball in the bottom half of your inning, and that other team did nothing to earn that base runner in second base. Well, hey, we should we should move briefly, I suppose, to game three here, which the Twins lose seven to nothing. But it's a game through six innings, right? The Rangers have one in the fourth. But after that, I mean, this is still a baseball game. And, and again, so frustrating because just a couple hits early in this game would uh, make it totally different. Twins go 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position. They just didn't have a lot of opportunities. When you only have four hits in the game and all of them are singles and you're not stringing any of them together. I love if you look at this, they show all the people who came in to hit for other batters and then the three guys came in the game and here we have Beckham struck out for Gordon in the seventh Celestino stuck out for Cave in the eighth then Sanchez comes in and strikes out for Leon in the eighth it's like they twins couldn't buy a hit no and I didn't think that lineup depth was going to be such an issue for this team but but the injuries have piled up how much do they mix miss a healthy Alex Kirilov right now we're, we're going to talk more about this down the road too but like there's not that many more guys who are aiming to come back this season they have just had dreadful injury situations um, and you add that to Kepler playing unhealthy you add that to Buxton being you know what he is right now what you said a game and a half in center out of every three um, and DHing a little bit here and there they just don't have the depth right now that we hope that they would at this time in the year well it's interesting that it's the outfield where we're struggling, right? You know, because normally you'd think, man, the infield, there's some guys who are fragile. You know, Polanco, he seems like Mr. Durability, but a lot of times he's not playing at 100%. A rise can be a bit iffy with his knees. Correa, you know, he's kind of had a history of injury. So it's crazy that it's the outfield, and it's not just Buxton. Look at how many guys have played in the outfield for the Twins this season, and right now, I don't even know who your top three guys are. No, I mean, Jake Cave has been on this lineup for, <laughs> I mean, he, he's almost become a regular here. I mean, good on Jake Cave for getting another chance, but my gosh. How many times have I said this season that we wouldn't see Jake Cave on this roster? How many times and did you say that last season, David? Like, we have been saying goodbye to Jake fair. Cave for years, and here he still is. I wonder if anybody made any money on a prop bet about who would play more in the majors this season, the turtle or cave. You know, that's what I wonder who made those, who makes that bet. Well, we should, a couple things about the pitching staff we should point out. So, so Joe Ryan goes six and a third. He does give up a home run, but he strikes out six. I mean, he wasn't at his best, but I mean, that's enough to win a game. And then Emilio Pagan coming in late and just again, another home run. I think it's 11th home run given up this season. I am tired of the tweets by Aaron Gleeman pointing out how bad Emilio Pagan is. It is fun though, that they're using him in the these cleanup rolls to like get as many pitches out of him as they can. He like, threw he 39. Threw... I mean, like that's, I know. that's what you want. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just crazy that a guy who was seen as a closer to start the season is now the cleanup guy in a seven zero loss throwing 40 pitches, just trying to end the game. Well, and let's go to game four where the twins were trying to salvage a split and they just could not do it. David, they lose this one two to one. Yeah. Again, one for seven with runners in scoring position. It's one of those things where you could hear it at the end. The fans who were in the stands, Dan, had had enough you're playing a team that's 10 games under 500 you need to at the very least get a series split and the fact that you're losing these games because you're not scoring any runs uh, with the supposed all-star offense that's just star-studded arise correa buxton miranda what are you doing here you can't put a couple of runs up on the board yeah and i think at the eighth inning when it's two to one and they get correa on base to lead off cave is in at that point because buxton has left the game with what was a right hip tightness which we'll have to come back and talk about a different play of his in a second but 
I wish that Cave had bunted there um, because then you've got Miranda up next. I guess maybe that says, do they have more faith in Jake Cave to get a hit than Max Kepler two batters later? Well, I think anybody you should have more faith in than Max Kepler at this particular juncture. Um, we should go back to Buxton earlier. So in a previous at bat, he kind of swung awkwardly. Kind of, it, it seemed like he kind of winced. He did a little lap around, and then he ended up striking out on a pitch. David, that I am stunned that it was called. The home plate umpire, Malachi Moore, was quite off. Even Dick Bramer was talking about it, too, on the cast. Um, and you know that it's bad when Dick Bramer steps in and says something like that. I mean, that pitch was three or four inches off the home off home plate, and Buxton was mad. Well, originally, if you watch the video, to me, it looked like it looked like he motioned that he tossed Buxton, but I think he was just pointing to the dugout, like, for him to go. <laughs> it wasn't the tossing motion, but that's what I thought had happened. I really thought he got thrown out. Well, anyhow, David, just so disappointing. The Twins get a couple triples. They even turn a triple play, which we'll come back to later. And, you know, they, they just can't get more than one run. It's pretty embarrassing. This was a rough one. And Sonny Gray, I do wonder if Gray walked away from this outing feeling that he got to put out everything he wanted to because obviously after his last start he was pretty vocal to the media about wanting to stay longer in the games and in this one he still got pulled at 69 pitches Dan to a point I understand that call but at the same time you got Fulmer you got Jax you got Fieldbar you have your better arms you have Duran and you have Lopez available the Twins are able to come back with this so I guess I don't mind using those guys and saving Sonny Gray because the way that they're starting pitching staff is right now with Malley now not being available they really need Sonny Gray to be able to to pitch well here um, in these next couple weeks well we have more to talk about here so we should probably move into our next segment Touch them all, Kirby Puckett. Puckett's picks winner oh and Dan it's the segment that I absolutely love right now let me tell you so you and Miranda you picked Arise the listeners picked Miranda each finished with six points I was a distance two with Correa but Arise gets this by virtue of not striking out as much as Miranda they each had a home run in this but uh but Miranda had the three strikeouts Arise just had the one so you get the victory David 15 now you're back in the lead here I'm at 14 the listeners are at nine I still lead the season points scored 203 to 177 to 159. I just I just wish I would have picked somebody else. But again, I don't know that anybody else would have won. The Twins were so inept with the bat. It was a rough one. I do think it's funny, though, because as I was doing the scoring, I assumed if it went to tie breaks, I would lose. But then I remembered the Twins were so inept offensively that Arise was one of the home run hitters and there weren't many others. It was just him and him and Miranda with one apiece. And that gives now actually Luis Arise has won the last three Puckett's picks. When actually, if you've noticed, Dan, I picked him four times throughout this season and he has won four times. Congratulations, David. All right, let's move forward here. Next segment. Beast versus Bench. Is losing fun? Is losing fun. Eek, David. I see your notes here and you are pretty scathing david with yours here i'm gonna go first uh, because of what you've picked i'm gonna pick jorge polanco as my as my beast i guess because i feel like he was actually trying to give the twins a chance here you know he he was getting on base he was drawing walks he was doing what they genuinely needed him to do with the exception really of game two um i love his play in the field i think that he's just he's doing everything that he he possibly can right now for this team and just nobody else seems to be able to pick him up and certainly that was the case in this series yeah i think he's healthy too i think that time off that they gave him to sort of nurse that ankle or that knee or whatever it was in this particular instance he just looks healthy and he seems like he's seeing the ball well and again i still love that his left-handed stance is so wide since he's returned what about you who's who's on your who's your beast yeah so i'm gonna go with 
the starting pitching for the twins so this is this is rare normally i pick a specific player but my goodness when's the last time we had a full series where twins starting pitching was as good as it was in this series they go combined for 22 and a third innings only six earned runs and 19 strikeouts if you can't put together a couple of wins in a four game series when that's what you get from your starters i'm sorry that is 100 on the offense oh it was dreadful and and the fact that the twins i mean you mentioned 22 and a third innings that's about as much as you're gonna get out of a staff when nobody really goes more than more than six i mean very rarely do they have a guy go seven or certainly not eight or nine so 22 and a third that's great that's such a great turn through the, through the rotation and that's not even with mally your newest shiny acquisition yeah who's now on the il disappointingly but it seems like it's not that serious hopefully he'll he'll come back soon and only have to miss a couple of starts well what about your bench here sir it kind of goes with your beast it does so i did sort of break the rules in both categories this time around for my bench i went with anyone who came up with runners in scoring position they went two for 26 with runners in scoring position damn and again unacceptable like if we were sitting here and we were 10 games back in the central there was no chance of making the postseason you're fighting for the division and you go two for 26 with runners in scoring position you need to be better otherwise what's the point and like i saw a take on twitter i think it was ted from from twins daily and he's like why doesn't Carlos Correa just walk into the clubhouse and say, guys, I've been a part of championship cultures before. Let me tell you, this is how you build it. And this is not how we're doing it. Well, okay. Do you really think that Carlos Correa is sitting there in his little locker in the clubhouse, not saying anything to this team about how inept they've been playing? Because Correa doesn't really seem like a guy who's going to hold his tongue. There's also the fact that Carlos Correa has not been very good with runners in scoring position either. So if anything, he's yeah. pointing at himself. For the record, on the season, the Twins rank 21st in the league in average with runners in scoring position. And I believe it's 22nd with OPS with runners in scoring position. So they're not getting hits. They're not hitting the ball hard. They're, they're really not even, I mean, they're just not moving runners in the way that you've got to be able to do. And, and the thing is, they're struggling so much. You would think we'd see them bunting more and moving guys over just to kind of get the run that way. And they're not even really doing that unless Sandy Leone is at the plate. Exactly. I mean, he's the only guy on this team, Dan, who makes a productive out. For my bench, I'm going to go with Buxton because he just proved to not be able to get a big hit at all in this in this series and he had a lot of opportunities in game two he left five runners on base he only left the one on base in in game one but he is you know they won that game so I guess that matters a little bit less he gets game three off and in game four yeah he gets on base but there's no big hit out of him I'm waiting for a big home run a big timely hit out of him and he didn't have that I mean, he is having trouble getting hits at all, Dan. Like, if yes. we look at it, I, I think it's hard because we sort of have these definitely rose-colored glasses when it comes to Buxton because we're so happy we signed him to a long-term deal, and he's so electric when he's in the field. But, Dan, this guy's batting average is 224 currently with an on-base percentage of 306. Yes, he has a great OPS at .832, but my goodness, you have to get on base. You have to be making more contact in order to be this great player that everybody wants you to be. And I will say, maybe we need to give Buxton a little more leeway with his injury that he's just not the player. I mean, this is well below his his career average for batting average. Max Kepler is being very ineffective uh, with his injury too when he's batting. So I I think there is still an element of that. Maybe Buxton is mostly just swinging for home runs or nothing. Yeah, well, we'll get to Kepler. I got a couple of thoughts on Kepler a bit later, but let's uh, let's keep going. Rocco's rewind, Dan. Rocco's Rewind. So I'm going to be pretty brief with this, but I do I do have a question. So Devin Smeltzer comes back to this team, and he ends up being a long reliever here. 
he actually comes in after Archer and he does the piggyback thing with Archer in game two and he goes three innings. And I'm just wondering, like, so is Devin Smeltzer going to be the long reliever now? I feel like all I seem to care about in these segments, David, is the piggyback and who's going to be the long reliever. It does seem like it would have been nice if the Twins had this ironed out earlier in the season when we told them to, Dan. I don't know how many times did we mention this throughout the beginning of the season. Pick one guy who's going to be your long relief guy. It should be the easiest position to fill. You want a guy who's not quite starter material, but is stretched out. I don't know how hard it is to find that. And for the record, we didn't even see Cole Sands at all this series. So I don't know what they're doing with him. Uh, David, he's not even going to start tomorrow's game on Tuesday. It's going to be Aaron Sanchez, who, if you remember, he pitched one game against Detroit. Uh, he went five innings pitched and gave up two earned runs. But so then he got immediately sent back down. So he'll be back up to make a start tomorrow. It does seem a little bit like Aaron Sanchez coming up now is a bit of a sacrificial lamb for this first game against the Astros. They're like, you know what? Yeah, we're probably not going to win this first one. <laughs> what's uh, What's your rewind, sir? So maybe it's a little bit controversial, but I think that in game three, in the top of the 10th, Thielbar is in and he gives up a couple of hits. But I think at that point, as opposed to pulling him like Rocco decided to, let him sort it out. Because to be honest, chances that the Twins are going to put up two to three runs in the bottom of the 10th, pretty slim anyway. And chances that Thielbar gives up any more runs, I really think are, are not likely either. Because He's so good at hitting his spots, especially lately. I just think he had a couple of uh, pitches that didn't quite go where he wanted them to. I think you just let him see this one through. I will say too, Caleb Theobar, yes, they hit some balls kind of hard against him, but they were not because he was leaving the ball over the middle of the plate. The Rangers just hit the ball really, really well against him. So I would agree with you there because Griffin Jacks, Griffin Jacks has been fine, but you got to ride Theobar there. He'd only pitched 11 pitches. I mean, the guy can keep, he can throw more than that. All right. Well, with that, Dan, let's go on to our Minnesota moment and try and find a couple of bright spots in this series. Minnesota moment. So I already alluded to it earlier, but it has to be the back-to-back homers to start the series. You're riding high. If you're at the stadium, you sort of feel that buzz and you're like, okay, this is the twins. They're turning it on. They start to see where they are in the standings and what needs to be done. And it's just disappointing, Dan, that high didn't go any higher. It just kept getting lower. Yeah, I went with the triple play in game four. Um, what a cool play it was. Again, I, I questioned the Rangers base running here because you would think yeah. uh, you would think you could avoid this. It's a liner to first. Miranda catches it, beats the base runner to the bag. And it was he had to take probably six steps or so. It wasn't like he was right there. And then he whipped the ball to second and Correa makes a heck of a catch to jump and then land on the base. And that's the runner I thought. How are you not back? Nevertheless, I'll take the triple play. Even had Miranda taken his time and set his feet and not like thrown it five feet above Correa's head, like he still would have gotten the runner. It was bad base running. Well, I think that's why Miranda rushed because he thought there's no way this guy. So the second triple play the Twins have turned this season. Our other host, Andrew Hoganson, was actually there in person. I think he said it was the first triple play he's seen in person. Have you seen a a triple play in person, David? I've never seen it in person. I've seen it live, obviously, watching, but I've never seen it in person. I mean, that's a, uh, I've seen the cycle in person. I've seen some weird stuff but it would be fun to see a triple play in person do you remember the time when miguel sano turned to triple play he stepped on third through to second went to first it was the it was the prototypical triple play and miguel sano said that he had predicted it like he had dreamed it up the day before <laughs> love that moment it's one of my favorite miguel sano moments who i know miguel sano you know i still play the show MLB the show and he's on my team he is batting fourth most days he won a, he had a game-winning home from him for me a couple days ago so <laughs> Miguel Sano is alive and well in video game form. 
Um, <laughs> I mean, he was a key contributor to this team in the opening. Do you remember, too, that I predicted that he was going to hit 41 home runs this year, David? I, I do. Folks, I honestly, maybe at the end of the season, I'll post these screenshots of, of the text message thread that we have that every time Sano would hit a homer, Dan would do the countdown. And it's like, there is just no chance. There's no I chance. I got to do one countdown. That's all oh. I got. I got to say 40 more because he only hit the one, David. <laughs> Oh, oh my goodness. Best shape of his life, though, Dan. <laughs> Best shape of his life. <laughs> All right. Let's keep going here to Mauer's Musings. I just don't know how it can get any better. Mauer's Musings. If only Miguel Sano was relevant, then I could bring him up here, but I can't. Um, I'm going to ask this question to you, David. Would the return of Trevor Larnack and Kyle Garlick make you feel any better about this team's chances going forward to win the division and maybe win a playoff series? Yeah, I think so, actually. And I think I probably lean Larnack more than Garlick because I think Larnack has more upside and Garlick's a little bit more limited but at the same time if you read gleeman's article at the athletic my goodness dan does that guy order garlic bread with every meal or what you know i think actually garlic is the team mvp that we didn't know (laughs) but apparently he is i i do think that it does i think especially because kepler has struggled so so much when he's been back and i credit kepler for getting out there and playing on his broken toe i mean he really is giving hit his all he's just not the hitter that they need him to be right now and he's certainly not the hitter of larnik and garlic when he's batting like this no so i did a little bit of a deep dive here uh Upon his return, his first seven games, he went hitless. And then he had his three for four game against Kansas City. And that was sort of like, okay, this is the turning point. But since then, he only has four more hits. That was on August 15th. He's only got seven hits, Dan, in the month of August. He clearly isn't right. And he's batting in the middle of the lineup. That's the part I don't get. And maybe it's just more a testament to the fact that they just have no faith in anybody else right now to get a hit on this team. Garlic is supposed to maybe come back uh, for the next series, the Giants series, this next weekend in at Target Field. And Larnack, they're hoping in early September. So, you know, any help they can get is, is going to be great. But man, Tim Beckham, for example, need not be on this roster any longer. And there he is. And I, I, I do wonder what they're going to do after that in terms of, you know, does, does Cave go back down to Celestino go back down i don't know what they're going to do with the outfield at that point anything that necessitates a, a decision like that it would be very welcome yeah i think so and anything that makes the decision for you as well right we're like honestly rocco's just doing coin flips at this point to see who he should play where in the outfield what's your musing sir so mine's a little bit more abstract as far as my question so if you're following this albert pujols is is chasing 700 home runs he's currently fifth on the all-time list he has a rod is next up on the list who he could potentially pass but so let's just say dan you're a pitcher and you're playing against the Cardinals and it's the last game of the season and it's the last at bat for Albert Pujols and he's at 699 home runs. Do you, what what do you do? Do you pull a rookie of the year and just literally underhand toss towards home plate to Albert Pujols so he can get a 700th home run or do you pitch it like a true at bat? I can't believe you're asking this question, David. You pitch it as a true at bat. What on earth? What integrity do you have here as a pitcher? Because here's the deal. Albert Pujols, if he's going to get a home run off of me and that last at bat, me being the pitcher, I wanted him to have earned it, right? I want him to have earned that 700th. We don't need another asterisk next to another guy on that home run list. Come on, David. Would you really do anything different? No, but can I tell you why I asked this question? Sure. Dan? If you remember, Brett Favre was a Viking quarterback. Uh, Do you remember this time? I do remember this time. I'm sure Hoags remembers it too as a Packers fan. I'm sure he's very (laughs) excited for this conversation. Go ahead. The only reason why I think about this is because Pujols has hit six home runs in his last seven games. At the beginning of the season, it seemed like Pujols maybe had a chance and then he was struggling and so it didn't really seem like it. And now he's at, what's he at now, Dan? 693. 
So he's, he's seven away from hitting that 700 mark. And so what made me think about this is if you remember, Michael Strahan was one sack away from setting the single season sack record in the NFL. And he was chasing Brett Favre when he was playing for the Vikings. And Brett Favre could have thrown the ball away. He had the time. He saw Strahan coming. And instead, he took the sack. And then he stood up smiling knowing what he had just done. And so that's what made me think about this moment if you're the pitcher against Albert Pujols in that moment. I feel like that maybe that's Favre getting the last laugh there. Like he's undermining the record that Michael Strahan holds. So I don't I don't want anybody to undermine the record that Albert Pujols has. If he gets to 700, good on him. If he sits at 699, he's still going to be a top five home run guy and really one of the only legitimate guys in the top five. I suppose that's true. And honestly, the only reason why I think about that moment is because Jared Allen would have been tied for the record at that point with 22 sacks in his 2011 season and he didn't and i remember when that happened and i just thought yeah but really strahan's last sack shouldn't have counted sure that's true so that answers my you know me as the pitcher i would yes you know i would pitch him like a true at bat but that's the only reason why i asked the question because clearly there are people of the opposite mindset in this regard do you think so so you think people would just say just let him like softball it up there and just hope he gets the home run brett Favre would i mean i guess there's one (laughs) well here i mean i guess i guess what a team could do is they could just put a position player out there and then just say hey here you go, Albert. This is your chance. Wouldn't it be great if Williams Estadio catches on with somebody? I forget who the Cardinals play in their last series. And Williams Estadio becomes the footnote to history. Wouldn't that be great? Well, but Pujols couldn't swing on a 3-0 count. Unwritten rules, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David. Let's, uh, let's grade this series. This should be pretty quick. Series grades. It's an F. I don't care that they won a game, Dan. That you needed to, at the very least, split this series. And even that, I think I would have given you a D. They're a team that 10 games under 500. You're fighting for a division. Your starters did everything they could to give you a chance to win these games. And this offensive powerhouse just shown the ineptitude that follows this team when they can't get off the ground. Oh, yeah. I think even if they'd split, I might have still given them an F the way that they played. I mean, I just think I've, I've been saying this every series, David. It's a failed opportunity. I'm tired of them failing these opportunities here. I want them to be a good baseball team but maybe they're just not a good baseball team all right let's go into herbie's headline i don't know jack it looked like herbeck pulled him off the bag herbie's headlines you know we should be celebratory here david because there was an awards ceremony i believe in two of these games they split it across two games here gardy gets his night ron gardner we have a whole segment named after gardy and he gets his day in the sun dan gladden gets his day in the sun and caesar tovar here so they all get inducted into the Twins Hall of Fame, which I guess is meaningful. To some people, I'm I, sure it is. It's always a bit odd to me, these sort of, and like the Vikings, like Ring of Honor thing, especially when like the NFL Hall of Fame is kind of a joke, right? Like like 80% of the players get in. Like the Baseball Hall of Fame is the last sort of true bastion of only allowing people in who deserve to be in, I'd say. Like and Joe so, We are already running late in this episode, Dan. We don't have time for this discussion. But so here's the thing. So I can understand having these sort of Hall of Fame things for baseball teams because there's going to be a lot of guys who don't get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. But you do have to think it's sort of like the guy sees it as this is a nice honor, but really he knows what this is, right? Well, what do you think it is, David? I think it's a nice honor, Dan, that's given to players who couldn't quite meet the bar necessary to be recognized as a true great baseball player or manager. All right, so I'm going to take a little issue here with one of these names. Actually, I almost would take some issue with Dan Gladden because he wasn't a twin that long, but he was part of some great moments. So I'm going to give him that. But I'm going to look at the great, mediocre Cesar Tovar because here's the deal. 
I look at this guy's stats. Yes, there was a season when he finished seventh in the MVP voting in baseball, right? There was a year. So did Nick Punto, I think. I know. <laughs> there was a year when he had 204 hits. There was a year when he had 13 triples. Like, these are some fine individual accomplishments here. But I don't see a statistic here that really stands out. And I heard, you know, he's got his, sorry, his batting average with the Twins in his eight years was 281. Well, here's the deal. I'm going to bring up a gentleman named Jorge Polanco. So Jorge Polanco's batting average with the Twins right now is in career is 271. He's got a year there where he had, you know, 186 hits. He's got a year where he had, you know, a 300 average. But are we really going to say that Jorge Polanco, if Cesar Tovar gets in, then Jorge Polanco ought to also be in this Ring of Honor <laughs> Twins Hall of Fame, right? So maybe I can start building my case now. Maybe I should be happy that Cesar Tovar is in because now it gets Jorge one step closer to this Hall of Fame. I couldn't. I couldn't decide in what was just happening what you were doing exactly because you made this case, Dan, literally within the last eight episodes about how Polanco you see is a future a future Twins Hall of Famer. And so you like start this discussion about how Tovar isn't really good enough material and like the bar is too low. And then you choose Polanco as your example to compare him about making the Twins Hall of Fame. Well, it's just here's why. Because Dan, they sometimes about- I think... I- <laughs> I just think that sometimes your mind, you have two ideas and you think that they merge together, but you seem to fail to realize that your points actually contradict each other. (laughs) But, okay, as I was walking through that, David, I was starting to wonder how exactly I was going to use this to make my point. Um, This was just like last episode where you started that sentence and you just were like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, what have I done? In any case, good for Cesar Tovar getting in. I just wonder who's next. I guess that's my question, David. Who is going to be next? I don't know. But if that's the bar, then that's where the bar is, David. I guess. Did, who's all? I don't even know who's in it. That list is just infinite. I don't think I can download it fast <laughs> enough to read off who's all in the Twins Hall of Fame, Dan. I think, you know, I think actually Danny Valencia is in there too, <laughs> David. He had, a, he had a couple really nice home runs as a Twins rookie. Um, so there you go. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect, Dan. I think the way that you realize that the Twins Hall of Fame isn't as important or such a great honor is that if you look at the numbers up on the left field wall, you'll see a certain set of numbers. And all of those guys, I would say, are at least Hall of Fame potential, not Twins Hall of Fame, mind you, like actual baseball Hall of Fame contenders there. So they may not be in yet, but they they, they could still get in. You mean like Joe Maurer? Is that is that one of the names, oh. David? You walked right into that. I can't believe it. I, I, I forgot. was just letting you I keep, keep forgetting, talking, and you kept talking. I think it, <laughs> it's a blind spot, I think. I don't <laughs> notice the number seven up there on that wall when they added it. I just don't even see it there. Well, I will say this. I would rather that that was the honor, right? It, they either retire your number or, like, they put you on a plaque in, like, in the legend seating area. Like, we can do one of those things, but I don't know. I don't need all these ceremonies, David. The baseball game, like, takes it takes a long time to get to the baseball game when you have an hour-long ceremony first. And you're all ready, right? You get there at 1 o'clock and you think, okay, great, the game's about to start. And then instead you get a 30-minute speech by Dan Gladden. Like, come on. It's like we have to hear Gladden talk on the radio broadcast more than we want to. We <laughs> Doesn't all he hear know him that? Speech. He has a platform, right? All he has to do is walk up there and say... Thank you for the honor. And then he needs to go back to the radio booth. But he wasn't even there. It was Chris Adbury, who, by the way, let me tell you, uses the word velo. It's like it's every other pitch. He's talking about velo this, velo that. His velo's pretty up. Oh, 
put it down. Look at that velo. Look at that velo outside. Like, whatever. He just uses that word very liberally, David. Fans want an ejection. There it goes. And that was Guardy's gripe. It's so funny that this bothers you so much because I've never heard anyone complain about this. And now, like, 80% of our text thread between Dan Hoags and I is them talking about the word velo and how they hate it so much. Oh, my gosh. David, we have to move on. Puckett's picks. <laughs> and we'll see you tomorrow night. Puckett's picks. Well, David, the listeners are actually going to ride the Arise train here. So he's won a few series in a row. So the listeners are going to switch to Arise, which leaves everyone available to me. Except Arise, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone else i don't like my pick david i'm gonna go with carlos correa because he's going home and he's not gonna get booed in houston presumably right maybe he'll get booed for some other reason but i don't like picking correa because he's been terrible in buckets picks for me well especially because last episode dan you made a big case about how he's so familiar with the rangers he's gonna have a huge series and he scored you two points I know. I have picked Correa now. I've picked him seven times. He's only won it one time for me. But when you pick him, he said he wins like half the time, David. I don't understand. Me and Carlos, man, we just understand what it takes to build the championship culture in Puckett's picks, Dan. <laughs> Who are you picking? Yeah, I got to go with Miranda. He's still on the board. I'm picking third. I mean, he's the guy to pick right now. He just seems like he can do no wrong. All right, David, this has gone on long enough. How about you send us out? will do well folks if you like what you hear please tell a friend you can follow us on twitter at men for the win and find our men for the win facebook page make sure you're subscribed to the podcast to be notified when new episodes are available and if you could leave us a rating that'd be great a reminder that episodes are now available on our youtube channel and if you could drop us a like and subscribe we'd greatly appreciate it thanks for listening and as always go twins that'll wrap up another episode of men for the win a podcast hosted by david kufis and dan thompson two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball especially when it's done by the twins thanks so much for listening and as always go twins